We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Welcome to the LakersNation.com Twitter spaces that will be put out as a LakersNation.com podcast as well. We're going to talk a little Lakers basketball this afternoon, as we tend to do on Thursday afternoons. We'll chat a little bit about Russell Westbrook. We're going to talk about the Lakers offense, what that's going to look like. Darvin Ham, how he gets everything going. We'll be joined by some Lakers Nation staffers as we go through. And, of course, we'll take some of you on stage as well some of you listening and we'll talk some lakers basketball directly with you right now i already have one person from lakers nation jumping on here might just be me me and him today actually we'll see who else can pop in to this but joining me right now is sean davis aka darvin ham's number one fan sean how are you doing man i am doing i'm doing all right trevor thanks for having me back on and uh sometimes folks when life gives you lemons you make lemonade supposed to be on a plane right now but you know what we we're fine with it. What what happened? I saw you posting something about that. Your flight got canceled. You were you're in LA right now, correct? Or did you did you get caught on a on a um on a connecting flight? No, I'm still in LA. I just wound up staying an extra day. Um, which I guess isn't a bad thing. There's uh, worse places to have to stay an extra day at than uh in Los Angeles. For sure, for sure, definitely could be could be worse. But you to spend an, an extra day in LA. Bummer about the flight getting canceled, though. Never a fun thing to deal with when you're when you're traveling. Um, let's talk a little bit about, I guess, just to kick things off. Russell Westbrook, Adrian Wojnarowski last night before a finals game that ended terribly. Um, before that game, Woj was talking a little bit about Russell Westbrook and his thoughts on Darvin Ham being the head coach and about how excited Russ is. And that, you know, Russ is going to hold or uh, Ham is going to hold everybody accountable. And Russ is excited about that, um, that everybody is going to get held accountable, kind of implying that Russ felt like he was being being held accountable and nobody else was. Um, but big picture, just that, that Russ is excited that Darvin Ham is the head coach and they've already met multiple times. And it sounds like the relationship is good there. So what are your thoughts on that? If Russell Westbrook comes back next season, which is looking more and more likely, how important is this kind of vibe that we're getting right now that Russell Westbrook is on board with him being the coach. 
Um, I think it's important that Russ is on board with Darvin. I think you'll get more buy-in that way, which is, first off, the most important thing for any players that they buy into whatever the coach's system is. But um, at this point, I'm kind of more believing when I see it, even though I am still a little bit more optimistic than most that uh, Russ with Darvin and how he'll integrate Russ on both ends of the floor, it'll be better than it was last year. I'm more of a believer, so I see it. Or wait, yeah, um, because it's always cool saying that. And then when Darvin checks you in front of the whole team in a film session, like how do you respond? Do you respond positively? Do you respond just like negatively talking back or whatever? Or like, hey, can you just like take the criticism? Because it's all like, yeah, it's criticism, but it's trying to like help the team win eventually. So you're going to take it and then like maybe after film sessions over say, hey, yo, coach, like, look, I thought it was this or maybe it's a miscommunication or whatever. So um, sounds great. But uh, what will it be? in November, December, and the rest of the season if Russell Westbrook happens to be on the roster. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. That's something we need to keep in mind is this is very much, if we were to borrow a, a, a phrase here from Matt the Optimist Peralta or borrow a strategy, we're going to go relationship analogy here. This is the honeymoon phase. This is the honeymoon phase right now. So right now, and this is the case for the offseason in general. Most of the time, fans are optimistic during the offseason. Because nobody's out there playing. Everybody has the same record. Yeah, the finals are going on right now, but let's face it. For 28 teams, the offseason has already started. So for Russell Westbrook and Darvin Ham, it's it would be a really bad sign if they were not on the same page right now. It's a good sign that they're on the same page. But like you said, they haven't gotten into the thick of things yet. They haven't gotten into any struggles. They haven't had their first their first disagreement or anything like that just yet so who knows exactly what that's going to look like who knows what's going to happen sometime in january when guys start getting a little worn down or in february when russell westbrook gets called out any player gets gets called out in uh in a film session what does that look like how is that situation handled do at some point nerves start getting frayed right now it's easy to be excited and be happy about everything but but that doesn't mean this is a bad thing this doesn't this is nothing it's something it's just not something that you can say, oh, oh, clearly they're on the same page and they will just always be on the same page. There's going to be some bumps in the road for sure. That's just that's what happens in any NBA season. But this is a good start, I think, for Darvin Ham and Russell Westbrook. And like you said, there is some optimism that with Darvin Ham on board and Russell Westbrook, for whatever reason, whether it's scheme-wise, personality-wise, whatever, appearing to be more bought in to Darvin Ham than he was to Frank Vogel, that suggests that you should be at least a little optimistic that you're going to see a better version of Russell Westbrook next season, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, again, and this is why, personally, I like my teams. Personally, like all my teams, I'm a fan. I like them at some point in the season, probably right around that middle stretch um, towards the end, honestly, where they go through a little rough spot. We saw it with the Warriors a little bit, especially when Steph got back or no step went down or like Draymond was or whatever they went through their stretch because it forces your team to have to try to go through that adversity and battle back and um but yeah like I I think Russ as of right now I think he really really likes Darvin Ham um again I'm a little bit more optimistic than most I feel that schematically and X's and O's wise he'll be able to fit I know you and Matt were talking about a little bit last night as well but um I, I think there's ways you can get it to work and then, um, yeah, but again, it's it just like we're not training camp hasn't even started yet. So, um, yeah, like you mentioned, they haven't gone through anything. They're out in 
Mexico on their honeymoon from right now. <laughs> it's, we're not in the thick of things yet. It's easy to be happy when you're in that that honeymoon phase. We'll see what happens from that. We'll see what happens um, when they get in their first uh, disagreement and everything. But so far, so far, so good. I think that is a good sign. Uh, let's let's go to our guest line here. Bring it in, uh, Gerald. How are you doing? Gerald, are you there? It's not even popping up on my screen. I don't know if that's just me. Oh, all right. Well, we'll we'll try again in just a bit then we'll have to try again with uh with one of our guests we will get to that in just a moment hopefully it'll it'll connect through next time sean when we're looking at at this situation with the trade market here does any part of you still think that the lakers are just trying to increase russ's trade value or not necessarily trade value but maybe their leverage in terms of all the positive stuff we're hearing about them bringing back us next season yeah of course especially when you have uh, it, it just helped. Now, maybe if we're being honest, maybe uh, Russ's trade value is the exact same no matter how much he likes Darvin Ham. But the Lakers could kind of be like, hey, you know what? Russ likes Darvin. It seems to be something that could work out there. We don't have to do this. And a team says, hey, you have to, you have to do this trade because Russ doesn't doesn't like Darwin or whatever, so you have to give us more than you probably would have had to or whatever. They don't have to do that. So if it's a bad trade or whatever, the Lakers can be like, nah, Russ seems to like Darwin. Darwin seems to be able to get this to work. We don't have to do that. So I do think, like you were saying, Trevor, it does help Lakers leverage while the trade value is probably the same. Well, and they have to be able to spend this, right? Like can't They can't put out there that they want to trade him, and then all the deals that are available to them are bad deals, and then they bring him back. Then what do you do? What do you do when you address the media and you've brought him back? Do you say, oh, yeah, we're we're so disappointed we brought him back? No, you can't do that. Even yeah. if they do intend to trust, test the trade market, you still need to put out there that you want to bring or that you're you know excited about bringing him back. You've got all these plans, all that kind of stuff. That's what you have to put out there publicly, even if that's not 100% the truth. And I think it is. There's a degree of it that is true. I think there is part of Darvin Ham that does think that he can make things work with Russell Westbrook. So mm-hmm. we'll see what, what ultimately happens and- there. And really, really um, quickly, um, yeah. I just want to add on to your point. This is why, like, in, in the NFL, I know it's a different sport, but in the NFL, the worst thing when there's, like, a disgruntled player, I think it happened with the, uh, Stephon Gilmore, where the Patriots, was, it was leaked, the Patriots are going to release him, and they still try to wind mm-hmm. up trading him, and the value just fell to the floor on what they would have gone for Stephon Gilmore uh, if, they had, if it had not been leaked, that they were going to cut him. So like right. like you were saying, like of course, Lucas are supposed to say we want Russ back. You can't just say, no, nah, we're gonna cut Russ, because then they'd be like, Okay, bet if we want Russ, we'll just wait till you cuddle. Absolutely. That's and that would be a big problem for Rob Palenka and the Lakers. Uh joining us on guest line now is Smitty. Smitty, how are how are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um uh, I'm I'm tuning in from Georgia, man, so don't ask how I'm in Georgia, but I'm a Lakers fan. Um, but to, but to, um, you know, just kind of add into what you guys were saying about Russell Westbrook, and um, I know when Darvin Ham had his presser, you know how he was speaking so highly of Russell Westbrook, and uh, people were, you know, kind of expecting for him to. I won't not. I won't say necessarily. Kind of just say, you know, hey, well. I'm not sure about what we're going to do about Russ or anything like that. Uh, you know, he had to speak, you know, highly of him. 
But one thing that I, I want everyone to kind of notice if you guys hadn't, but when they asked Rob Polinka about Russ, you know, he never really said Russ's name, you know, just right out, just directly. Even in the, the second interview that he had after uh, Darwin Towns presser, he never really said Russ's name, THT's name, or anything. I was like, hmm, that, that kind of made me wonder. And I think, you know, Rob knows, you know, he saw what we all saw last year. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Russ probably won't be a part of this team this, this coming season, man. Well, that, that's a good thing to know that Rob didn't directly address it. Now, mm-hmm. part of that can be deflecting, can be just kind of deflecting the question. And, you know, uh, we saw Darvin Ham do something similar when he was asked whether or not Russell Westbrook would come off the bench, which that's yeah. another thing we, we need to talk about. But um, but there, there may be something to that there where if you're Rob Palenka and you're not necessarily naming those guys, maybe there's part of you that knows that they're not going to be there. Um, like, like, it reminds me of LeBron, right? When LeBron was going from Miami to Cleveland and he and he was listing out the players he was excited to go play with and he didn't include Andrew Wiggins because yeah. he knew he wasn't going to be there, right? So maybe there's that element of that, but I still think you just have to kind of keep the flexibility to go either direction and that's kind of the goal right now. They're either, they either trade him or they don't, but they don't want it to look like the wrong outcome or the outcome they weren't hoping for, regardless of what ultimately transpires. Yeah, and that, that kind of hinders how we build this team um, because, you know, with Russ's huge contract, you know, we, we really will just have, what, the minimum signings? Um, and you're not getting any 3 and D vet minimum signings or anything, man. So, you know, just put just throw out the first round, pick 27 and just protect it and let's see what we can do, man. You'll also have your tax pyramid level, but yeah, it's, just, it's that and uh, better yeah. minimums to your point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Smitty, thank you so much for coming on all the way from, uh, from Georgia. Appreciate it. No problem. Appreciate you. All right. Uh, Sean, let's talk about this a little bit. Bill Orem in his piece of athletic today. Maybe at this, I almost wonder, are we reading too much into things at this point? Because this could be something or maybe it's absolutely nothing. But when Darvin Ham was asked about Russell Westbrook coming off the bench, Bill Orem, who was at the, the presser, said he looked at, at Russ and Russ, who didn't react to pretty much anything that was being said, reacted to this and laughed and then turned and said something to the, the young Lakers to Austin Reeves. I think it was Stanley John. Maybe it was Wendy Gabriel. One of the young guys was, was right there too with him. Um, is that anything? Is that Russell Westbrook? Should we read into that as, oh, Russ clearly doesn't want to come off the bench? I mean, I, I think it's a safe assumption that Russell Westbrook doesn't want to come off the bench. But are you re- reading anything into the fact that he, his reaction was to laugh when that got brought up? Um, no, not really. If anything, uh, my reaction to that would be that Russ thought that was a stupid question because we know Russ's uh, relationship with the media. Um, personally, how I view the starting thing, I know it's different with Russ, but and it's easier to do this when there's not any money involved, but it doesn't really matter if you start or not. It's more about like, like for example, Jordan Poole, it doesn't matter if he starts or not, he's going to play in a, in a normal series or a normal game, he's going to play starting minutes. So it doesn't matter if he starts on it. He's still going to play 30 minutes a game. Um, but it, it's a little bit different because Russ gets paid $47 million. I don't look too much into that. I think Russ was laughing because he's like, what question is that? Like, that's a stupid question. Um, but yeah. is it? 
Is that a stupid? I mean, look, you can't. It's it's stupid in the sense that the coach the coach isn't going to tell you in June what what his rotation is going to be in October, right? I mean, because yeah. Darvin Ham doesn't know Darvin. But is the idea of bringing Russ off the bench is that stupid? Staggering his minutes with with AD and LeBron mm-hmm. and and letting him kind of run the bench unit is that is that a terrible idea? Not necessarily. I'm saying it's stupid from the sense, like, if I'm Russ, I'm like, no, why would I ever come off the bench? Like, that's kind of correct. the way yeah. I was, yeah, in that way. But no, it's not stupid. I think, I do think you're going to stagger the minutes in some way, um, just so you can kind of have one of them, if not two, at all times on the floor. And um, that way, like, Russ starts or whatever, after the first five minutes, maybe you take him out. And then when LeBron and AD, it's time for them to get a rest. You let Russ, he gets the second unit, right? He gets the whole second unit to himself for a minute. Then you bring back in the other guys. But I do think we're going to see him staggering the minutes if Russ is brought back. I just don't think it'll be with Russ coming off the bench. I think it's such a hard sell to convince somebody who's making $47 million, has done all the things he's accomplished in the NBA as the Russell Westbrook. Uh, that's a hard sell to convince him to come off the bench. I agree, and I think that's ultimately where you land. If you bring back Russell Westbrook, I think first and foremost, you don't bring him off the bench. You start him, but if only because it's going to make Russell Westbrook feel better. If you want to keep Russ bought in, saying, hey, you can talk about him sacrificing and all that, have him sacrifice by burning his energy on defense, like what Darvin Ham has said. That's where he wants him expending his energy or not having the ball in his hands on offense. Get him bought in there. Don't really push it by saying, and we're taking your starting job because that will be a slight to him. He won't be happy with it, and that is not what you want. You want him more bought in. And I think you can accomplish the same goal. We talked about this a lot last season. By tailoring your rotation in the correct way, you can accomplish the same goal that you would be be striving for by bringing him off the bench. Which is, like you said, you bring him in for the first few minutes of the first quarter, maybe you give him five minutes or whatever with the, the, the quote-unquote starters, and then you sub him out, and then from there, you're running him primarily with the bench unit. So you're accomplishing the same thing just without rocking the boat. And let's face it, if he's coming off the bench, that's going to become a question you're going to have to answer in the media every single day and he and russ is going to get asked every single day i just think you can sidestep the whole situation and still get the same result if you stagger your rotation correctly which i think ultimately is probably what we will see darvin ham do uh this season if russell westbrook's on the team nope i agree and i think that's the right way to go and uh i trust darvin uh to, to make the right decision honestly We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. We are bringing in another another guest here. We're bringing in uh, Flu Roseland. Hey, guys. How are you hey, doing? Hey, uh... How's it going? Saying what up from the other side of the border. I'm in Montreal, Canada. Not a Raptors fan. Ooh, sweet. Definitely not a Celtics fan. A uh, little backstory. I didn't start wearing green until we tied them in chips. So, like, they can't win this year because green actually looks really <laughs> good on me. So, like, I can't stop wearing that now. <laughs> That's quite a conundrum. Yeah, but it's really upsetting. But um, to play to your point that you were saying, I think if the Lakers can somehow utilize Russ to his best skill set without allowing outside media attention to like get into his head him buying in like all these guys want to win on a personal level or a team level at the end of the day they want to win so if we use Russ as kind of like and like don't slang before this but like almost a mini Rodman where he's getting under people's skins he's scrappy he's getting to the boards and then he's just bringing that energy I think that it could work with him. That being said, I did read something today that said the Lakers were looking into the young bull in Cleveland. And I think Cleveland may be into someone like Westbrook, but Ham said he wanted to do a four out one in. And I think if Russ is just a slasher, getting the board, doing all those things, I think it could work. All right. Um, and I think this is the misconception about the four out one in. So I'm glad you brought it up because I'm not sure if you're going to get into it. The, the whole notion that you have to shoot out on the perimeter isn't necessarily true, especially for a guy like Russ. It just depends on where you put him. If you're in the corners, you're probably a shooter. If you're on the wings or on the slot, uh, cheap plug, go check out the Breakdown Lakersation YouTube channel. Then if you're in the slot, you have more abilities to operate as a playmaker, as a decision maker, and as a slasher like you were just mentioning. So Russ is not a great shooter at all, but if he's in the slot, Right, you have LeBron or whatever. The defense helps off of Russ. You can use the defense against them because they're going to help off of Russ. Obviously, LeBron's going to pitch it to Russ. He's going to have a whole driving lane, which is what he does best. So I think it's a little misconception on how it'll work because Russ isn't a quote-unquote shooter. I still think it, it worked in and it worked in Houston. Granted, Houston had shooters, but it still worked in Houston. But you, you're talking about him fitting in as a as a slasher in that in that scenario. But again, you've got to make sure. There is there's nuance to that. There is a skill to slashing. It's not just hey, I'm gonna run run to the basket at the right time. It, it's a matter of making sure that the chemistry is correct on the floor and the spacing is correct in order to make that happen. And so him developing that mentality, which he hasn't had for his entire career, is gonna be is gonna be really important. And that's something that Darvin Ham's talked about. Look, you're gonna need him to do some things off the ball, and he's gonna have to figure out ways to be effective there. And then the defensive end. Um, I think that's fine as well. Uh, the question that that is being brought up here of Russ in this kind of Rodman-esque role, I've seen Draymond used as well. You know, is he going to be kind of that that type of player? Could give, give him the ball in the high post on the offensive end, let him make decisions there. Defensively, can you have him burning that energy, doing everything to annoy opponents, all that sort of stuff? The question is, is Russell Westbrook w- willing to do that? And it may come down to, we talked about the the media how much does Russ care about the counting stats? How much does that matter? Getting averaging or getting close to a triple double. If that is out the window, if that no longer is a concern of his, 
then maybe you get there. But you've heard him bring that up a few times last season where those stats do matter to him, even if they don't lead to winning. So that's going to be key for Darvin Ham is to get away from this whole idea that winning or, or averaging a triple-double equals success because I don't think that's what a successful Russell Westbrook is going to look like on this team. I agree with you, and I think that it's going to be so hard to teach an old dog new tricks. But in my ideal situation, if Westbrook turned into Pat Bev on steroids, I think that would benefit the Lakers so much. Oh, and the other part, that, awesome. you know what I mean? Like if you just focus that anger and that energy and that ten, like like tenacity just on the defensive end and did let go of those stat padding, not stat padding, sorry, I'll take it back, but like those stat conscious sort of plays, I, I think it would be like an intense success, especially like tenfold over if he would come off the bench, but he won't. But like, the other part that's really stressing me out too is AD, Bron, and Russ are all so ball dominant. So if we're going to be going into this new quote unquote system and culture, obviously it needs to speed up for today's game and especially to compete with people like the Warriors and the physicality for people like the, the green team over there. But like, if we can get them moving the ball, like Bron obviously wants to do less. AD is showing some sort of timid mental blocker because maybe he's scared to get injured again and then Russ just gets frustrated and goes I have to run to the basket I gotta do something if we can like switch those mentalities and get people on like a movement sort of scale I think it could work I'm just not sure if those three together are able to sort of create that Sean what do you think fit fit, that was always the concern from day one was fit with Russell Westbrook LeBron and AD four out one in can they fit on the floor, even if it's for a limited time, like we've been talking about? Can you bring, if you have Russ with the bench unit, primarily, you're still going to have some overlap with LeBron and AD. Is there any path? Because on paper, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Last season, it didn't work. Any optimism that LeBron, Russ, AD on the floor together can be made to work by Darvin Ham? Um, I think it's, there's some optimism already because LeBron's motivated. AD should be motivated. I think these guys want to undo the cataclysmic cataclysmic failure um, that was last season or still this season, I guess, technically. But again, like I'm still kind of optimistic because I think um, I do think Darwin's going to like really preach ball movement. Not We're not going to see like 8,000 passes per possession like Golden State. But I think the quality of shots the Lakers are going to get next season, which you're already getting halfway decent looks with with just players that aren't really great shooters or great decision makers um, because the attention LeBron and AD gets. But I think we will see better ball movement next season. Um, I do think that it can work. And maybe I'm just being blindly optimistic here. Um, But from the film I watched, and and I was so excited when he said he's going to bring this because it's pretty much what Boone Holster does. yeah, I'm optimistic. I think it can work. Obviously, you'd rather get one of those trades done because I think it's more optimal to, for it to work if you do one of those trades. But I, I don't think it's possible. I think last year, everything was just off, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it can't get any worse, right? We hope. We, hope. We, 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 said that, we said that a lot last year. We said it can't get much worse. <laughs> what, like when they blew the overtime game against the Rockets? Can't get, can't get oh, much yeah. worse. And it got worse. Also, sorry, last thing I want. Uh, oh, my God, I forgot it. I was going to say one more thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. I only want to say one more thing. I won't take up too much of your time on your show. Um, 
I think that the reason I'm also optimistic is because of the switching coaching staff. And I think that even two years ago, the team we assembled with uh, with uh, Schroeder and Trez and those guys, like that was good moves in my opinion. Like we picked up really solid players. And I think that because of the lack of, not lack of, sorry, because of the, the, the mess in the coaching department, it put guys in weird positions, which in my opinion could trigger injuries where they don't know where they're moving. They don't know how they're moving. They don't know where they're supposed to be. And I think that kind of crippled us in, in the long run. And I think it happened again last year too. So hopefully with the new coaching staff and the new training staff and, and hopefully some conditioning people, if we can bring Gary Vitti back, like just someone who can like get, make sure that our players are healthy, maybe a chef or something for the players. But like, I think their bodies are have to be right and their minds have to be right. And the book's got to be right. All right. That's, that's something to, uh, for us to dive into. Appreciate it. And thank you so much for, for coming on here. Thanks. All right. So Sean, what do you, what do you think about that? About that idea that, some uh, having a different coach will change the overall health of the team with with Darvin. I'm a little bit skeptical of that, but in terms of players being in different positions, maybe positions they're more comfortable in, maybe there's something there. What do you think? Um, I, I do think so. I don't know about the healthies, um, but I do think sometimes you just need a new change of voice or whatever. Um, this isn't as drastic as the Lakers situation because Frank won a title. But like my charges or whatever, Anthony Lynn was a fine coach or whatever, but we just needed a new voice in the locker room or whatever. And that's why we go hire Brandon Staley last season. And it looks to be working spar. Um, sometimes, sometimes you just need a different voice in the locker room that can get the guys to buy in because I think that's the most important thing in sports is getting being able to get the buy-in from the players. Because, Trevor, we've said this uh, a billion times for like at this point. You can be the greatest coach in the world, X's and O's wise, have the greatest defensive scheme in the world, but if you can't get the buy-in and the respect from your players, it doesn't matter. That's very true. That's very true. You have to have your players bought in, and if your voice is falling on deaf ears, then a change has to be made. And I do feel like, to some degree, that was happening this season. Um, he also made the comment about a, a chef or whatever. These guys, they are all already, they have their, the, yeah, they their have diets. Their, or, yeah. That's that's happening. Already, as far as the the chef, the nutrition piece to that, I'm uh, bringing in uh, Adrian. Adrian, how are you doing? I am well. Thank you for asking. I actually wanted to touch on something I haven't actually heard no one touch on, uh, whether or just the media in general. But you know, everyone's talking about how oh well, now the Lakers are uh, they're changing their stance in terms of keeping Russell Westbrook and, you know, what happened with all the rumors that they want to trade him. Well, in my humble opinion, I think that this, that what the Lakers are doing, they are doing, uh, they're positioning themselves to try to bring Russell Westbrook's value, trade value up a little bit because, what are the Lakers supposed to say? Or what is Ham supposed to say? Is he supposed to say, oh, yes, we're thinking of trading Westbrook? Or yes, he's not part of the team? No, he is still part of the team. So I think that this is all positioning that the Lakers are doing. Now, can Russell Westbrook still end up on the Lakers once the season begins? Yes, because that, that contract is hard to trade. Um, the only thing good that it has is that it's an expiring contract but I think that the Lakers are saying the right things now for positioning. I may be wrong, but 
that's my opinion. Adrian, you're completely right. And uh, we talked about to start this face off and you're completely right. Like what else are they supposed to say? Like it's Darvin Ham supposed to say at the press conference that Russell Westbrook is attending. Is he supposed to say, yeah, man, that guy Russ is awful. We are looking to trade him immediately. <laughs> right. No, he's not supposed to say that. So yeah, right, you're, exactly. you're, you're 100% right. Especially with Russ standing right there. He's in the room. He's in the room. But the other side of that though, like, yes, the Lakers have to say that, but, and, and look, I do think part of them probably does think that Darvin Ham can have some positive impact on Russell Westbrook and that he can be better next season than he was last season. And I don't think that's unrealistic to think that he could be better next season than he was last season. So I think there's some truth to what they're saying. I don't think it's just being put out there for trade purposes. But as far as what kind of an impact that actually has, if if they are saying these, and again, they have to say these things regardless, but are, is there any team out there that's buying it that is saying, oh, wow, the, the Lakers want to really want to bring him back next season. I now want to trade for Russell Westbrook. I don't think it's going to have a, I don't think it makes a difference. Again, the Lakers have to say it, but I don't think it's going to make a difference in Russell's in the, trade yeah. value or their leverage at all because other teams are smart. They know what they're doing. Right. I agree with that. Sean, I mean, is there any team? Like, I can't imagine from a leverage situation that this really, and again, it's not like the Lakers are going to say anything different, but I, I just can't see it changing no. what the negotiations look like in any kind of a trade. And again, like like I said, we talked, we, we said this at the start, like, what are they supposed to say? And they're saying the right things, but it doesn't mean that it changes anything. Um, it could only, like, the only outcomes, honestly, was it gets worse or it stays the same. And, uh, and they went the right route, which is saying the right things and everything stays the same, maybe slightly trending upwards. But, yeah, no, there nothing really changes, in my opinion. Russ's trade value is about the same. Russ's, um, Russ's the leverage Lakers have is the same. And, honestly, the only way we could see Russ's trade value go up is if he starts the season with the Lakers. And I don't know how you feel about this, Trevor, but if you get to the deadline – and there's like, and Russ is on the team still. I'm not trading Russ at that point because why? You're, you're done with him in two months. No, I'm not trading Russ because then oh. you're still get you're still getting in all those uh, year two extra years, three extra year contracts. No, I'm just writing it out at that point. Well, let's 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 play that out. And first of all, uh, Adrian, thank you so much for, for coming on here and, and joining us. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay, so let, let's let's talk about that, Sean. Let's talk about would you, if you bring Russ in, does he stay for the remainder of the season or do you look to move him at the trade deadline? I actually think you could move at the trade deadline if the right deal is out there because let's say we're in this scenario. Let's say come August, August 4th, LeBron, the Lakers show up. Rob Palenka says, LeBron, here's your contract extension. It's a one plus one deal. Here's a pen. LeBron says, cool, let's go. Let's do this. I'm signing up for another year. Okay, so now you've got LeBron through at least 2024, and then he's got a player option, and he could potentially go somewhere else, join up with Bronny, whatever he's going to do. So now you know that you don't really have that much cap room in 2023. If LeBron doesn't sign that extension, it could be a different story, where no LeBron, no Russ, you essentially have AD, THT, and tons of cap space, and maybe you completely reshape the franchise. That, I think, is a different situation. But LeBron signed on to an extension. 
then you know you're not going to have a ton of cap room to play with anyway. If there's a deal out there, let's say their team that has themselves set right now as a playoff contender, season starts going, things aren't going their way, doesn't look good, and they say, you know what, we want to scrap this and we want to move forward with something else. We need flexibility. And they're willing to give you stuff that might be better than what's out there on the market in 2023 anyway with whatever limited cash you're going to have with LeBron signed on for that extra year. That's where I could see the Lakers saying, you know what, particularly if they just absorb an extra year of the deal, so they essentially kick the cap space can down the road one more year to 2024. That's where I could see them saying, we'll get this stuff now. And essentially what we're doing is our free agency shopping at the trade deadline. I think that's a scenario where I could see them keeping Russ this summer and then moving moving him at the trade line. Yeah, I, I guess I can agree with that. Um, but, but my biggest, I guess, rebuttal to that would be how well is Russ going to have to play to realistically see that as an option, you know? Because honestly, yeah, I, uh, that, I guess that's my biggest question as a response. Like, how much better is Russ going to have to play? Are we talking about um, Russ being back at all-star caliber level again? Like, that's just my biggest thing because I'm not sure you're going to get much back at that point. That's kind of why I'm, why I'm with that. I get Wait. you get some flexibility. But I'm not sure uh, with Russ, like let's say Russ has an average season, I'm not sure you're getting anything better than you would have. Get, you, that's rumored right now, if that makes sense. Well, I don't think it. I don't think it matters how well he plays at that point because talking about a team getting him for a few months, right? And that's and that's it. It's just it's an expiring contract. It's taking contracts that go past 2023. And again, let's say it's it's the Hornets or whatever. And they, and things fall apart with the Hornets and they thought they'd be a playoff team and they wanted to keep Gordon Hayward and all this stuff. Um, and then, then they're not. And they say, okay, well, you know, we want to free up some cap space. Okay. You can go trade for us. And if you're the Lakers and things aren't really clicking and, but they're hanging in there and they can say, you know what, we really need a wing and you can go get Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre or whatever, whatever the deal is. And their contracts run an extra year. The Hornets in that scenario, they're just trying to give themselves some spending power in 2023. The Lakers are willing to sacrifice that spending power in 2023 for the guys that they think might fit better. And again, that's a very specific scenario. But if that is the path we wind up walking down, I don't think it matters so much how well Russ is playing because the team acquiring him is just getting him for contract anyway. Again, fair point. All right, let's, but I still think most likely, most likely we're going to see the Lakers get involved in some trade negotiations with Russell Westbrook this summer. He'll be involved in the, the trade process. We already saw Woj mentioned that Russ isn't expected to sign that extension or not extension, the, the player option until the end of the month. I've talked about this a lot. The reason yeah. for that is control so that if a trade pops up that he's involved in, he doesn't like the destination, he can sort of push it back because he doesn't doesn't have to sign that thing until June 29th. He will wait until June 29th to sign it because otherwise the Lakers could trade him at the draft. But so that's something to note. I think the Lakers will look this offseason to potentially move him. And if the right deal is not there, it seems they are willing to bring him back. Uh, let's bring in uh, Cameron. Cameron, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. How's, uh, how, how's everything going and uh, what would you like to talk about? Yeah, it's going good. I uh, I'm curious um, if the Lakers do want to bring back Russ. Um, 
if the cap situation would be any different if, say, getting to um, opt out and sign a more long-term contract so he's still getting his money, but would that free up any flexibility um, for more free agents maybe this offseason? Yes, it could. Um, the way that would work, and I, I don't think the Lakers ultimately would do this, but let's let's say that the Lakers went to Russ and they said, Russ, you know what? Uh, we really want to be able to use our full mid-level exception, which means we're going to trigger a hard cap this year by using that, and we're going to spend that $10 million. Uh, we want to spend that. So, Russ, if you opt out, we'll give you a three-year deal worth $60 million, so you're going to get $20 million per season, but we're but in year two and three of this deal, you're still getting $20 million, which you're getting $20 million in the first year, which is a lot less than 47. But after this 47, what are you realistically getting two years from now, three years from now? It's not going to be that much. So you're going to make up for this. In the, the long run, you're going to make more money. And maybe it has to be even more. Maybe it has to be three years, 70 million, whatever it is, in order to get rust to bite. But I, the reason that you would do that is to lower Russ's salary for this season which would then lower the distance there, the increase the distance that you are from the hard cap, which is going to be about 155 million. And then maybe free up that full mid-level exception to use as well as potentially the biannual exception. Both those tr- things trigger a hard cap, which means if you use it and your salaries go too high, you're stuck. You can't add more pieces to your roster, which is not good. So that would be the incentive to do something like that. Um, how much Russ would take in order to sign that deal would be a big factor and whether or not that's something that's palatable for the Lakers. But I think they would rather have the future flexibility. Um, but that would be the the benefit of doing something like that. But I don't know. Sean, are you in agreement? I, I just can't see them signing up for more years of Russell Westbrook. I think they would rather keep him as an expiring, even if a $20 million contract or so is easier to trade. I just think the, the expiring nature of Russ's contract right now is what has value. I wouldn't imagine he would suddenly have value next year on a $20 million deal compared to where he's at right now. If Russ had a good season last year, then it's a slight possibility that that could happen. Um, but no, no, the, the biggest thing that's valued about Russ's contract right now, like you just mentioned the fact that it's expiring and it's not like, okay, let's do that for you have some more cap space for an insanely talented free agent class. This free agency class has a margin, like moves around the margins that you can make, but there's nobody that uh, you would really even consider doing that for. So I agree with Trevor. I don't think they'll do this. I think they're just like, hey, worst case scenario, we ride Russ out for next year. Because um, I also don't think they're going to wave and stretch him, which is basically doing the same thing. Well, it's not, but um, you can do your non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is right around $11 million, I believe, Trevor. Yeah, right about there. Yeah, so... I don't think – I think the only outcomes personally, and Trevor, I don't know what you feel about this, but I think it's either trade Russ or bring Russ back. I don't think any other uh, scenario like buyout, wave and stretch, um, or waiting to – I honestly don't think the deadline thing like we just talked about, I don't think that would happen either. And I don't think they're going to like say, hey, opt out, we'll pay you three years for 60 or 70 mil. I don't think that's happening either. It would, it would make sense if, let's say, you were a – 20 million, which is you know about what you would save, 25 million or so, 47, dropping it down to about 20 million and change or whatever to do a three three year deal from Russ. If that was the difference between being able to give Zach Levine a max contract or something, 
and that was something you had your sights set on, then yeah. sure, I think you could talk yourself into doing it. But I think you made a good point, Sean, that with the free agent market, is there anybody worth doing that for? I don't, I don't think there is, knowing that you can't get to that Zach Levine money anyway. We're talking about do you do that to get to Otto Porter Jr. or bring Malik back Monk yeah. or, or something like that? That's that's what you'd be talking about. In that case, those and those are fine players. I don't think that's worth extending or adding on to the number of years on Russ's contract, though, to, to accomplish that. Cameron, uh, thanks so much for uh, for coming on here, though. Good good question and um, interesting thing to, to uh, consider there. Yeah, thank you. All right. Sean, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about talking Russ. Talking about we're, Russ, I know, right? We're, we're like 45, we're 40 minutes else. into this, and the whole thing's been about, been about Russell Westbrook. Um, let's talk a little bit about this free agent class. And the Lakers did a workout recently. Lakers a workout recently where they talked where they brought in some guys and DJ Wilson. This is a name that like Lakers fans were already kind of talking about this. I saw this in the the social conversation around Lakers Nation. DJ Wilson should maybe be the guy they look at. He was in this group of players that they brought in, and that instantly got me thinking. Hmm, okay, a six ten guy that can shoot the three that that could be beneficial. Now these are all mostly kind of end of the bench kind of guys. So I don't want to go too far to like overhype any of these players, but out of that group that the Lakers brought in as a workout and keep in mind, these are guys who are not on, they're not under an NBA contract right now, which means they got waived. So they're not under contract. Um, any, any free agent to be can't come work out for the Lakers right now. So for example, Zach Levine. Zach Levine can't show up and just work out for the Lakers right now. He's still under contract with the Bulls. So these are guys who weren't on a roster to finish the season. So they are completely free agents at the moment. Was there anybody on, out of that group? There was Langston Galloway, Alizé Johnson. Uh, you had Kyle Guy. Anybody that, that really stood out to you that you thought, yeah, that's somebody the Lakers should give a chance to? Uh, obviously, you just mentioned, uh, mentioned DJ Wilson. Uh, Cal Guy kind of distracted me a little bit. I thought in some of them, I thought he had some good spots with Miami and showed that he could that he could play in the NBA and uh, as a, and at least at the bare minimum, an end of the bench rotation player that can really, really just shoot the crap out of the basketball. And that's and that's all we would need him for anyway. But DJ Wilson and Cal Guy are definitely at the top of my list. I think that's strategically. This is great if you're the Lakers because there's not much out there in free agency. And where they found success last season was with Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves, Wenyan Gabriel, these guys that you weren't expecting to be contributors this season. I mean, two of them weren't even on the roster to start the season. So given that they found success with these young wings that had either been overlooked or discarded by other teams, I like that there's a couple of wings in this group that they're looking at and if you can find guys that can still work that can play any kind of meaningful minutes and you find them without having to give up draft capital to, to get them that's going to be a win for a lakers team that's so top heavy you look at what miami has done as far as unearthing talent game vincent max Struess, duncan robinson right the list goes on even kendrick nunn who's now a laker um all of these guys if you can do that it can go a long way towards supporting your stars in the the way that they need without having to spend 
too much capital to do it. So I think this is great for the Lakers, and I hope we see more of this. Even if none of these guys are a fit, you keep at it because the value you can get if you find a diamond in the rough, it is so tremendous. It can definitely change the overall trajectory of your franchise if you find enough role players without having to give up draft capital in order to get them. No, and then that's why I'm so high on the Lakers buying multiple second-round draft picks, get, uh, drafting a few players in the second round, and what, in my opinion, is a loaded draft class, and then get some potential diamond in the roughs in the undrafted free agency department because the one part of the team I have my full trust in, Trevor, is the scouting department. So, um, yeah, I, I, that, to, to your point, that's why I'm so high on them doing stuff like this with the free agency, uh, with the free agency thing, and then dra- so- buying two second-round picks drafting a couple of guys, and then uh, seeing what you can get on the market, undrafted free agency, and you know maybe put a couple of those guys in the G League because it works. Look at Miami, Boston, Golden State. Look what all those teams do. It works. Absolutely. Yep. If you can find those guys, it can be a major, major win for your franchise. Uh, joining us, we've got uh, Cam. How are you doing? What's going on, uh, Trevor and the prophet Sean himself? <laughs> ah yeah. Wait, are you, because of the Darwin. Of course, bro. Of course, you're the only one that I saw actually call that from what, like the trade deadline. January. Yeah, January you're you're profit for that. You're literally a profit for that. I heard nobody I'll ever take, said it. Say it. I'll take my credit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, free agency. The free agency. The, the free agency. Um, workouts that we've done recently is. Actually, pretty interesting because of what Trevor said as far as um, with DJ Wilson. Because we've been calling for DJ Wilson to come on the team for since the trade deadline, actually, now that I think about it. We've been calling for him to come on board. Um, I'm not too sure why they didn't utilize, um, not utilize, but they didn't try to target him. Well, we don't know if they tried to, but as far as we know, we don't know why they didn't try harder from our point of view to get him. But needless to say, you know, that's over and done with. The biggest thing, as far as the free agency thing, the biggest thing that I um, find very um, uplifting, as well as uh, just kind of just obvious, to be honest, is what Darvin Ham said in his in his press conference about utilizing the G League system. Um, I know that, you know, the, the, the free agency list, as Trevor said, is, it's pretty it's pretty scarce as far as names is concerned. I don't really like to really go off of names when it comes down to selected players, but from a name perspective, yeah, it's pretty scarce, especially um, with wings. But the G League system is actually stacked with a lot of uh, budding, budding players that are doing well in the G League, but that I believe that are ready to hit the, the main stage and really show what they got. I mean, toward the end of the year, we saw Mason Jones come in and actually get a little bit more acclimated with, you know, being on the stage way after he blew that wide open layup <laughs> on Christmas, but that's neither here nor there. But um, we also have other guys like, for instance, one big name that I saw on the G League system as well is Jay Huff. I don't understand why we didn't use Jay Huff a, a lot more when we needed size. Um, when AD went down multiple times during the season, um, and DeAndre, of course, DeAndre was just icing out on the bench. Dwight wasn't really used that much. We was just really going small, but we have a seven-one center 
that can space the floor. He can shoot. He can rebound, run, run the floor, rim run really hard. Um, you know, he has all he has all those those attributes, and he's been had it you know, as far as I know since he was at Virginia. So it's 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 players like that that I think that will um that I think that Ham is really going Ham and the rest of the the front office is really going to look look into and um they'll probably I think they'll probably hit that more than free agency based off of just our cap situation. To, to go off on your on your point, well, first off, Frank was very reluctant for whatever reason, especially last season because the only bright spot at some points during the season was the young guys, but Frank was still like very reluctant to go to the young guys. No idea um, why. And yeah, no idea why, but I, I do think, and this that's why, again, I want the Lakers to buy two second round picks, at least one. Um, I want the Lakers to get hit the undrafted free agency apartment. Um, apartment. And because I, I, again, just look at the league, several teams, for the Warriors again, I keep going. I hate going back to the Warriors, but several key pieces of that rotation came from the G League. Obviously, yep. the big one is Jordan Poole, but the G League is not some uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's not like some crappy league anymore. It's a legit developmental system that can propel a player. If you had told Jordan Poole two years ago, when he was in the G League, that he was going to probably at some point make. $80 million in his first big contract at the minimum, he would think you're crazy. But the G League is now a legit developmental system where you can bring players up onto your roster. And now Jordan Poole is playing big time minutes in the finals. And he's going to get paid at some point. So I love the idea of going the G League route or just drafting, putting him in the G League. Honestly, you mentioned Mason Jones. If the Lakers traded Kendrick Nunn, as long as you think Mason Jones is ready, I wouldn't mind it because then you could sell me on, hey, look, Mason Jones is our backup point guard next year. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll, I think- I'll say – oh, go ahead, Trevor. Go ahead. Oh, I was just, just going to say, Cam, that's a, that's a fantastic point that maybe we're not talking about enough about the about uh, Darvin Ham. He came from the G League. He coached in the G League. He was a GM in the G League. And the, like, like Sean's point, the G League every year now, it's becoming more and more of a legitimate – almost you know farm system style for the NBA and you're seeing more and more talent take that path that was not the case when it first came in and it was the D league at first and now the G league it was kind of looked down upon as a path to the to the NBA but as the years have gone by it's become a more accepted and more credible path into the league and Darvin Ham's experience in the G league should in theory give him an advantage in that and maybe we aren't speaking enough about that being some some sneaky value that Darvin Ham can provide beyond just the X's and O's and the way he relates to players and all of that. It's that G League experience that could ultimately pay off for the Lakers. Yeah, absolutely. And then on top of that, I mean, and just for perspective, you know, we have players that came out the G League that did well. Alex Caruso came out the G League. Taylor Horton Tucker had his had himself a time uh, some time in the G League. Like we have players that actually came out the G League and was balling, so um and I mean if you even look around the other uh the uh, around the other teams in the league with their G League players just like what uh what Sean said as as far as uh, Jordan Poole you have Jalen Green you have so many of these guys that are that are sleepers um and I I don't understand and maybe maybe it's just 
I don't know. Maybe it's just the typical practices within the league. Like they just like you said, Trevor, like they don't really pay too much attention to that league or whatnot. But it's really became it's really become legit. And so at this point, like, you know, you have these these kids that are that are super ready or even if they're not just like kids. I mean, of course, there'll be kids to us because we're older than them. But there's there's also guys that are have been in the G League for some years now. Know, since they've been, you know, drafted, aka like Stanley Johnson, who has been in the league for for a while, has already had their uh, a chance to actually be in an actual NBA and and experience that. Went to the G League, experienced that, got their got their game up, and so now they're ready. They might have been in the league for maybe six, seven years. They were in the G League. They come out, boom, um, and it's a it's you're starting to see veterans that's going into the G league now to be able to, you know, do that as well. So um, I think that, I, I think that's the key uh, as far as getting young talent and not only that, but just you'll be able to save money to be able to do that. If the, if the cap is, if the cap is a problem, which obviously it is a problem, but if it's going to be a problem going into next season, if, if we can't get off rough, the G league, I believe is definitely it should definitely be the primary focus on where to get the young talent from, because I honestly believe that due to this turn of the tide with uh, with arrows, I think it's gonna be a lot harder to find players to sign veteran veteran uh, vet men contracts. It's it's like Malik Monk signing a vet men contract took me off guard. You see what I'm saying? Like when I saw that in the offseason, I was excited because I always loved Malik Monk's game. But to see him sign the Vetman contract, I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's luck. Like that was a lucky situation. I don't think that that happens like that this upcoming season, especially with a lot of these young guys really proving that not only are they ready for the league, but they're ready to take over the league. So now when you have that, it gets kind of it gets kind of tricky when it comes down to trying to find signing. So I really do believe that the primary focus is not even just free agency. It's really a G League that we're supposed to be looking for the young, budding talent that is really those diamonds are up. All right, great thoughts there, Cam. Appreciate you you coming on and, and joining us. Absolutely. All right, Sean. Let's finish up talking about that a little bit about the G League and, and Cam saying that. You need to focus, in terms of adding young talent, focus on these G League guys that you can turn into something. And I think there's a a degree of truth to that. Particularly, he mentioned Malik Monk and how you're probably not going to find another guy like that where the player is young and willing to play on a minimum contract. Typically, the younger players, they're going to get paid more. You can find some veterans on minimum contracts sometimes. But how many veterans are the Lakers really going to have lining up to play for them? I, I do think that they do have a selling point because they can point to Malik Monk, they can point to Austin Reeves, and they can say, look what kind of a spotlight we can put on you and look at the kind of minutes that we have available, and that can be attractive to free agents. But I also think it's fair to say if they're trying to add young talent, it's not going to be easy to find that out there on the free agent market, particularly young talent that's going to be willing to pay uh, play for the veteran minimum. So I think Cam's got a point that the G League might have to be the source of the young talent. But I'll also caution that I don't think that can be the backbone of your team, though, either. Like, mm-hmm. you've got to have some known commodities on this team that you find in free agency and via trade that you can lean upon 
because the hit rate on the G League guys simply isn't that high. When you do hit on them, it's fantastic and it's great for your franchise and you should absolutely do that. And if you want to use a few roster spots to experiment with that, that's okay. But asking G League guys to come up and be even like your eighth, ninth, tenth man, I'm uneasy with with that. I would want a bit more of a known quantity there. But with the last few roster spots, I think it's a great way to discover talent. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and when we say like last few roster spots, that's not saying they can't work their way up and be a, a, a legit rotation player. Because like when Miami brought up Strews, Max Strews, for example, or Gabe Vincent, who were both G League guys, you think the Heat originally planned on those guys? Like Strews started for like the whole second half of the season, probably since January. I'm going off the top of my head. You think Miami planned on that happening? No. Miami said, hey, good. Hey, guys, look, you guys are coming on the roster. Maybe you guys can fight for one of the last rotation spots. And then they just kept working, kept making strides in practice, in the film room, and in the games that they worked their way up. So we're not being condescending or whatever we're saying. Oh, no, we're we're uh, only getting these guys to fill out the back end of our roster. Uh, we're just saying that you don't want to ask a guy in the G League, hey, look, we know you're, you're coming from the G League, but here's 20 minutes. We need you. Right, I think that that's what uh, Trevor's point is, and um, but no, yeah, it's a fill out your roster. I think the G League and draft, I think, are two great ways to do it. And again, Lakers, please get two second round picks. That'd be nice. That would indeed be be nice and give us a little bit more to talk about on draft night and give us more players to watch at summer league, which is quickly approaching. Get here. Do you, as quick th- do you think Mason Jones and uh, McClung? I think McClung would be there. But do you think Mason Jones would be? Uh huh. No, yeah, I, I absolutely, I would expect him to be there as well. And uh, yeah, Mac McClung, it's the Thomas and Mac McClung Center, so he's he's got to be there as well. So I, I'm excited for summer league, and if they get a couple of second round picks, that's just going to make it all the more exciting for us. Oh no, for sure. All right, well let's let's wrap things up there, everybody. Thank you guys so much for coming in here and joining us. Thanks for everybody who jumped on stage with us and talked Lakers basketball. We really appreciate it. Guys, make sure you are following all the Lakers Nation accounts across social media at Lakers Nation on Instagram at Lakers. I'm sorry, at Lakers Nation official on Instagram at Lakers Nation. Of course, here on Twitter and Facebook, you can follow me at Trevor underscore Lane. You've got Sean at Sean underscore Davi. It's going to be a busy off season, so make sure you stay in the know. Go over to LakersNation.com. Check out the LakersNation.com YouTube channel as well. Keep you up to date, and of course, go find the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcast. Till next time, everybody. See ya.